Late Night City, Beyond the Dark. Ladies and gentlemen, we always go to America when we're talking Beyond the Dark. And I don't know why the Americans are so obsessed. In fact, we'll ask Chase in a moment about that. But we're going to talk to a lady called Chase Kloetsky. And uh, the book is called Admissible, all about UFOs, paranormal, activity and strange creatures. Hello, Chase. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Oh, pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Now, tell me, why are Americans so obsessed with stuff like this? Maybe a distraction, especially when you consider the politics of today. Um, um, I think it's more the mystery. There's something about the story that's not going away Mm -hmm. that just captures a lot of our imagination. Give me a potted history of who you are. I am a former Department of Defense employee, and I worked as a biomechanics engineer And once I actually quit that, I started in UFO investigations. And that's really my forte is um, just diving into UFO reports and finding out what people are alleging that they're seeing and put boots to the ground. And I run out and go. Tell me, when you work for the government, I'm sure you must have signed contracts then of uh, disclosure, etc. But when you leave, wasn't there a contract saying you can't talk about anything for five years or something like that? Yes, actually, they're called secrecy agreements, and um, I have I have one. It doesn't have an expiration date. Some will have um, a certain amount of time that you're not allowed to talk about what you did, and uh, but most of them really don't have an expiration here in the United States. Wow. Now, if you did talk about, and I'm sure you have talked about, have you had any problems with the government? Um, I really haven't. Uh, I think mostly because... You know, if they come after me, they almost have to admit there's a reason behind that. <laughs> I'm talking about UFOs. So, you know, I think it's kind of a, a stick with them. But I've never had any trouble with the government. I have been called by the FBI a couple of times, asked me a few questions about how I knew a certain person, or, but nothing that I felt intimidated at all. Now, why have you gone down this road? Why have you gone towards UFOs? What is your fascination? I think just looking up at the sky and, and realizing, my gosh, if we're it, I think that's scarier than the reality of UFOs. And being, you know, I was born in the 60s, so there's that generation of, you know, just hearing these stories and growing up with State Magazine and uh, a lot of the television shows and, and kind of the pop culture of UFOs it absolutely fascinated me. And then I realized, wait a minute. Some of the most credible people in the world are reporting these things that are not supposed to exist. How did you construct this book, Admissible? It it came from being an investigator. I've been doing this since 1994. And with a group, it's an international UFO organization called MUFON. And I've been with them since 1996. Took a little break, but I'm definitely uh, back on board. And I think I realized that you know, investigators, even though we're doing fringe work, we don't have to have fringe techniques. In other words, uh, we run our UFO investigations here with my team no differently than a homicide police officer or a detective would. There's only one way we can get admissibility and, you know, find those facts that would meet the scientific and public scrutiny 
And that's if we do it right and we follow the same rules as a prosecutor, a defense attorney, or a homicide, or uh, just a police officer. We have to follow the rules. We have to stay with the science. In your book, is there any hard evidence? What the book does is detail how to uh, conduct admissible type investigations, you know, how to control your case management, uh, you know, what does, what is evidence? Um, Can we take something as simple as witness testimony and is that good enough? And of course, we know according to Scott's law, it's not. You know, we need something to collaborate. No one piece of evidence is ever good enough to define a proper disposition. Leaving your book aside for one moment, in all the time you've been doing this, you yourself, what's the most incredible story you have heard that you cannot get your head around? I I actually hear a lot of them. Um, It would have to be from our astronauts. You know, here we have some of the most incredibly bright, most educated. They are um, tested constantly, psychologically, emotionally, physically put through the kind of paces that most men or, you know, most people wouldn't be able to handle, which is why we call them the right stuff. And yet when they come back from space, they're celebrated as world heroes until they talk about UFOs, and then we're not supposed to remember they mentioned that. So to me, the hardest thing is just, you know, listening to the people, our own spacemen, the people that have been up there, and the things that they want to talk about and allude to and have even gone on the record stating, seeing things such as craft or other beings or being very aware of that. I, to me, that's astounding. It, to me, that's a smoking gun. But... According to our uh, rules of evidence, we need a little more than that. Do you believe, Chase, that governments are hiding information from us? Absolutely they are. Uh, It's not in their best interest in any way, shape, or form to let the public know what they know. And that could be for many reasons, but mostly uh, control and power. In fact, I think that this has been going on long enough that, you know, here in the States, our presidents are elected for four-year cycles, and they can only come up twice. Either way, they're temporary employees. So we believe, as ufologists, mostly that there's kind of that breakaway uh, powerhouse, even in a military complex, where if the president doesn't have a need to know, he may never know what Lockheed's working on in that black project. He just... There's no reason to tell them at this point. So I believe that the same thing with the UFO reality is they could just keep their mouth shut until they have to come out. And I do believe we are going to find truth, but it will not come from our government. Now, you say control and power. What is control and power about not telling us about UFOs? I think it's basically because they can run... Certain things, uh, the technology, weapons, uh, you know, it, it all comes down to that military complex and superiority and, um, you know, what do we have? We all know that the, the arms race right now is in space and we're protecting our satellites and satellites and drones. Everything is going higher and higher in the sky. And I believe that a lot of that uh, comes from examples and technology that may have come down beforehand. 
I'm talking to uh, Chase Koretsky about a book called um, Admissible. It's a fascinating lady um, who seems to be a little bit um, media savvy, so she seems to be know what she's talking about. Oh, I've got to ask, when you were working in the government, what did you learn about Area 54? I didn't learn anything about um, Area 51. 51, I beg your pardon. Yeah. That's okay, that's okay. Um, I didn't learn uh, anything about Area 51 because, again, my job as a biomechanics engineer was training special forces and some of our most elite to complete a mission. It would have nothing to do with anything at Area 51. And if I did have personnel from that sector, I wouldn't have known about it. I just would get their name, um, the command name, and that would be it. Putting a book like this together, is it difficult to leave stuff out? It really is difficult to leave things out because there's so much, you know, that we've learned uh, over the last few decades. Um, our days of sniffing dirt are over. We have access to forensic tools and technologies and labs and scientists. They're all opening up because, honestly, Peter, everybody's looking right now. The Vatican with, you know, the largest telescope right here in the United States in Arizona on Mount Graham. You have uh, MIT. Everybody's looking right now. SETI is kind of the, the hotbed of, you know, these new tech guys coming up. Uh, NASA's looking. All the private industry. Everybody's looking up. Everybody's looking. So it's really difficult right now to leave anything out because there's so much evolving consistently. After writing this book, do you believe we're getting visitors? I do, I do, absolutely. And the reason I do is because of my witnesses. When you're talking to, you know, military people and astronauts and they're telling you things um, that they know we should not have. The technology is, you know, just not ours. Um, it, it's kind of hard not to believe these people, especially when there's no reason for them to come out and make a story up like this. What about photographic proof? There's tons of it, but there's also a lot of, um, you know, Photoshop and, and you know, just hoaxing and <clears throat> misidentifications. In fact, as a UFO investigator, um, I can tell you that we all agree pretty much that out of 100 cases that we worked, 97% of them we'll be able to explain. It's either ours, natural phenomena, or mistaken, but, or even a hoax. But that 3%, Peter, that's why we keep going. That 3% is awesome. Why would you think, you're an intelligent woman, you've written this book, why would you think that they would visit us? Why us? If the universe is so big, and I'm looking up now, I'm in a tower looking up, thinking this vastness, why, why us? A knowledge, if we're here, why not study us? Why not know who we are and where we came from? Or... We could go back to an ancient alien theory that they seeded us, they created us, you know, back in the Anunnaki. And then, of course, there's also the other theory that um, we're just almost nothing to them. They're really here for the minerals and the gold and, and you know, a lot of the mining that from our natural resources. So we still don't know. The good news is, is that we believe we solved our UFOs real a decade ago. Asked and answered, we got it, we're done. Everyone knows there's these strange lights in the sky. We're moving on to the question you just asked. Exactly who are they and what do they want? What is their curiosity? And we're 
systematically through data and stringent investigations, starting to put together a decent theory out of the many that are out there. Virtually every chase, every film that's ever made about UFOs is always violent and they take over the world and destroy the world. Do you think, talking to people and writing this book, uh, Admissible, do you think that uh, we will ever be attacked? I don't know. I, I do know that I lean more towards this isn't good for us. It can't be good for humanity. And I think that comes from the basic fear that I think all humans have of being outnumbered or outsmarted. And if we're dealing with beings that have, you know, esoteric type knowledge that we haven't even discovered yet of how to become an interplanetary species, which is our only chance for survival, by the way, we have to become the species that's interplanetary. Um, I, th I think it's just a fear of the, the knowledge and being outnumbered. Over the years, I've interviewed people who have been abducted. Do you believe people have been abducted? It's one of the hardest things I had to come to terms with because it sounds so ridiculous, and it should. It should be so ridiculous, and yet we have, again, some of the most credible people, and you know, now with the technology, with some of these abductions, um, you know, we're finding physical evidence, and we're finding the physics behind some of the statements. It sounds ridiculous that somebody witnesses a being coming through their wall, and yet they're working on that exact same technology at CERN. So I don't, I don't know. It may be a physics we haven't understood, but I do believe um, that abductions are real. Um, it, was, it, it was hard to come to that, and it was only by evidence and, um, you know, just that culmination of knowledge and talking to hundreds. Um, before I came to that. But it, it was difficult. It really was. Chase, we've heard so much about Roswell. Do you believe that governments, and not just America, but do you believe governments have got spaceships? Do you believe they've got relics? Do you think they've got beings? Um, yes, I do. And this is, again, you know, one of those uh, subjects where, you know, when people ask you about UFOs, you don't take them to that question, I think right away, only because they need the basics to really understand why we've come to that conclusion. And I do believe that governments have um, taken things. It's what they do. When you think about all the claims of even just ancestors or the alleged giants and how the Smithsonian and how this stuff can be uh, secreted away and tucked away and kept, you know, our own history as humans, we're you know, uh, finding we're wrong just every time we uncover a new Gobekli Tepe or, you know, a new area. It's, it's just fascinating how much we don't know. So your book, Admissible, the Field uh, Manual for Investigation of UFOs, Paranormal Activities and Strange Creatures, what do you want people to take when they've read this book? When they've put the book down, what, what do you want to go through their minds? I wanted to take responsibility for that title. Um, so many people want to be paranormal investigators or UFO investigators, and, you know, they get a couple guys together, and they watch a few TV shows and get a really cool Facebook page, put on their black T-shirts, get, you know, that, that pose with their arms folded, and it's more than that. When people see things that are not supposed to exist, and, and it, it rattles them, there's many times there's no one they can call. 
they can't dial 911 or, or call a constable in the UK. Uh, who are they going to talk to when they know what they saw? And we're all they have. And we have to take responsibility uh, for our title. If you're going to be an investigator, be a good one. Know how to interview. Know how to you know make these cases to where at any point you can hand it to a judge. And it's admissible in a court of law. We have to... We owe that to these people that trust us with some of the things that they probably would never tell their neighbor. Is book two on the way? Uh, an upgrade, absolutely. So many things have changed, even in forensics. Um, I'm really excited to you know share more knowledge, other things that we're doing out here that have been very successful. So, yeah, part two, definitely. Might be a couple years because um, I'd rather be in the field, and I do a lot out here. So Now, you say when you're in the field, what, what does that mean? Are you out there in deserts, or what does it mean by in the field? Wherever the witnesses will take me. I have been in the coal mines of Kentucky, deep in the coal mines. I have been in the swamps of Louisiana, looking for the Honey Island Swamp Monster, and I have been to Peru and to the necropolis of human remains, um, you know, unwrapping mummies for the, you know, 2,000-year-old mummies for the first time to do this forensic testing in the DNA on the elongated skulls made so popular by TV shows like Ancient Aliens. So um, wherever the, the latest cry for help or the phone call leads me or, you know, request, it doesn't matter. I've been to Australia. I'll, I'll go anywhere. I, I love what I do. Fantastic. What's the most peculiar place you've been to? Probably the coal mine. Um, that sounded like it was going to be adventurous and a lot of fun. Until you're, you know, down there and you've been walking about 20 minutes and you realize you've been going down the whole time and it's silent. And I started feeling a little bit like, okay, wait a minute. Like, what am I doing down here? This is crazy. But, um, you know, you just kind of pull it together and got my head back in the game and finished the investigation. That one was unique because you had a bunch of miners, like the entire work group. Um, and I had the head of the miner company call me because he couldn't get his workers down a certain shaft because they kept seeing what they call lizard people. And, of course, in the UFO field, uh, we understand that to be of a reptilian. So it was they, a fascinating they, case. They were seeing, they said they were seeing lizard people. Yes. Wow. Wow. And and it was a bunch of them. And, of course, these are hardcore miners. Mm -hmm. they, they're not into the drama. They're not, like, caring about the Kardashians. I, there was no reason for these men to be terrified to go down there if they did not believe they saw what they saw. So they believe lizard people exist. They believe that there were some in that shaft, absolutely. <laughs> wow, wow. Chase, how can people find out more about you? Probably just hit my website, which is just uh, myname.com. And I'm also on Facebook. Um, I love, love, love uh, the community out here. And I try to answer everybody. So anybody out there listening and want to stop by and say hi, I'll, I'll be saying hi back. Chase, spell your name for people, please, and pe spell it slowly. Okay, it is C-H-A-S-E. Yep. And my last name is K-L-O-E-T-Z as in zebra, K-E. 
Thank you very much. You're a fascinating lady. Thank you very much for joining me. Oh, my gosh. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much.